we have a lot of buyers right at the open, but then all of a sudden you just see tremendous amount of sellers show up. Well, the NASDAQ is lagging, even though it was leading all year. You've got money rotating out of that area and into the Dow, and the Dow is now leading. Pullbacks, I've learned, are healthy. They're going to happen. They're inevitable, but they're good. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey, everybody. This is Sean Vincent. I'm the voice of Last Week in the Market. Adam Sarhan will be joining us shortly. He's the brains behind Last Week in the Market. This podcast is designed to help self-guided independent traders understand Adam Sarhan's AMPT investment strategy. It's A-M-P-D. And we're looking this week at a choppy market. It's an unusual market circumstance for AMP traders. It's a time to hold on to your positions, keep your sell stops close. Adam will explain a little bit more about what that means in this week's episode of Last Week in the Market. But before we get to all of that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical, and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's the week of August 14th, 2023. Let's get to it. Every morning this week, the market seemed to go up, 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 and then every afternoon it seemed to go down, down, down. Adam will explain why that is a bearish sign. Support and resistance got closer together near the end of the week, and Adam will explain why that's a sign that things might be ready for a big breakout or a big breakdown. As some of this year's leading stocks reverse course, some AM traders are getting stopped out of their positions. Adam explains why that can be bittersweet for some traders, but why you have to stick to your guns. We're talking to folks who are interested in or following your AMPT trading strategy, you know, your system. And uh, the M in AMP stands for market conditions. And I feel like this last week, this last couple of weeks has been all watching market conditions because it's a little choppy. It's a little weird. Uh, there's, there's since, you know, we talk about in your book, this idea of quality, like, if the quality of chocolate, you could never describe it to someone where they'd recognize it. But once you've tasted it, you always know it. The quality of red, you couldn't describe red to somebody. But once they see it, they can never unsee it. And and since I've been working with you and looking at sort of like technical patterns uh, on the charts, uh, and we've been doing this podcast and I'm watching your reports every week. I'm watching the market now every day. It's like, it's like watching, uh, we, we talk about a lake, you know, a lake has different moods throughout the day. The, the clouds come in, it turns gray. Oh, the waves are a little choppy, but now it's calm and smooth. Uh, so let me tell you as sort of a, uh, uh, an amateur enthusiast who's a student of, of you, right. And, and who's, uh, watching this happen. We saw last week, it was funny right after we did our, our preliminary chat about the week, uh, as soon as we hung up. The market, which looked like it was going to close high on Friday, just turned and just went straight down. So as an enthusiast, Monday morning, I saw the market start, went straight up. And I thought, oh, I feel like that's a a bullish sign. I saw your newsletter early that morning. And you're like, no, 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 that's when the market starts high and then goes down and closes down. That's obviously 
a bearish sign. It seemed counterintuitive at the moment, but it makes perfect sense when you say, do you want to flesh that out a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you very much, Sean. I always appreciate the warm introductions. And you're right. It is looking at the market. It is like looking at the lake or it's the greatest intellectual stimulation that I've found in the world. Because when you understand it and you appreciate it and you dive into it, it's endless, number one. Number two, this intellectual challenges the joys of being able to win and challenge yourself and grow are just phenomenal. And it's the greatest puzzle or game in the world. People love game shows. Well, here it is. I just take it and translate it to the market. So to your earlier points, absolutely. Now, when you speak to most folks and you say, hey, listen, you know, to your, just to clarify the chocolate and the red thing a little bit more, you know, what does chocolate taste like? I'll give you a million dollars right now if you can tell me what chocolate tastes like. People say, oh, yeah, of course I know what chocolate tastes like. And then they try to do it. They can't. What does the color red look like? You can't explain it. But once you taste chocolate, I can't give you vanilla and say it's chocolate. Once you see red, I can't say, hey, this is a blue shirt. And you know it's not because you have to see it. But certain things in life you have to experience before you can actually understand and appreciate what it actually is. Same thing with the market, actively trading the market and intellectually breaking down the market, diving deeper than, oh, the Dow's up 200 points today or down 50 points, but actually understanding the nuances there. It's the same thing. It's the chocolate, the red. It is tremendously fulfilling, satisfying, so on and so forth on so many different levels. So thank you for that. As far as the market's concerned, to dive into it, the next logical point would be, okay, when you have characteristic or, you know, the title of the weekend report last week was changing of the guard, right? Because we've been overtly bullish all year. And then I started noticing that a lot of these leading stocks, which are the strongest stocks in the market, are getting whacked. They're going down, not up. And that's a changing of the guard. And the, the market's just a bunch of stocks. So if a lot of the leading stocks are going down, then typically the indices that are made up of those leading stocks are going to go down as well. So that was one. The second you know, concerning thought, thing that we noticed was you started to see the opens and the closes on a daily and weekly basis change. In a bullish environment, you see the market open lower, sellers come in right at the open sell, but then there's an overwhelming amount of buyers that show up, absorb all of that stock that wants to be sold, and then some, and then a wave of buying happens and it lifts higher and closes up. Could be for the day, could be for the week, could be on a monthly bar, it doesn't matter, it's all the same. It's just the longer you go out, the more relevance or the more emphasis it has or the more importance it has. So that's one. When a bearish environment is when you have the exact opposite. We have a lot of buyers right at the open, but then all of a sudden you just see tremendous amount of sellers show up for the rest of the day and just sell, sell, sell. All the buyers get exhausted and then the sellers show up and then the market closes lower. That typically, not always, but typically is a bearish sign, which means bearish means down, bullish means up. And that's a subtle but important clue you can use when determining the underlying health of the of the market. Yeah, it felt like uh, for the week and for every day of this week, at the beginning, the first half of the day, it was sort of fighting its way up. But then this other force was just pulling it back down uh, by the end of the day. And we just saw that up and down pattern every day this week. I want to ask you something about, you know, in the book, Psychological Analysis, we put in little details, like little charts of technical patterns. And uh, 
I recognized the shape this week, right? Oh wow! So I looked, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what to call the shape, but you tell me if I'm right about this because I, I, I looked at the Dow over the last five days, you know, the hourly chart, and you saw that that zigzag up and down pattern, but uh, the base tended to stay about, uh, or the the ceiling support, right? No, we're talking about resistance. resistance. Support is the floor. So resistance seemed to stay right about the same. And then the Dow, the, the, the support started to slope up a little bit. And that zigzag got narrower and narrower towards the end of the week. And then I look at the NASDAQ and it was almost the opposite. It, 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 uh, it had support and resistance, but that was sloping down and closed lower at the end of the week. Tell me, what, what do you see when you see support and resistance start closing in on each other? What does that tell you? And if it's pointed downwards or pointed upwards? It's really important to understand the market is made up of many different indexes. Now, in those indexes, it's just different segments of the market. So the Dow, Jones Industrial Average, that is, it's 30 big, huge mega cap stocks, the blue chip stocks. Now, the NASDAQ tends to be predominantly tech-related stocks. Not all of them, but for the most part. So you divide the market into segments. You've got technology, you've got transportation stocks, you've got financial stocks, you've got the whole gamut of what's in on Main Street, what's in the economy. It's just reflected on Wall Street. So the Dow's 30 bl- big blue chip stocks. The Russell 2000 are small cap stocks. Then you've got the S&P 500, which are 500 broad a broad overview of the market. And then the mid caps are 400 mid cap stocks. So it depends really, Sean, on when you dive in deep on where you are in the cycle, because sometimes the Russell, the small cap 2000, the Russell 2000, they're leading. Sometimes NASDAQ leading, sometimes the Dow's leading. And then that ebbs and flows. So I call that the great mini rotation. In the old days, there was something called the great rotation. Money would move from stocks to bonds and then vice versa. I've observed that under the surface, the market, you know, putting that in air quotes, might be going up, but you have the great mini rotation where right now, for example, the NASDAQ is lagging, even though it was leading all year, and semiconductors, which were leading all year, are now lagging badly. Concurrently, you've got money rotating out of that area and into the Dow, and the Dow is now leading. The S&P 500 is outperforming the NASDAQ. Because it just depends on where you are in the cycle. So yes, to your point, the Dow exhibited, they call it relative strength. On a relative basis, the Dow outperformed the NASDAQ last week. And you can see that by looking at the, the Dow and the NASDAQ, where they are with respect to their moving averages. The Dow is above its 50-day moving average, and the NASDAQ is below its 50-day moving average. And the 50-day tends to be like a magnet. If you get too far above it, the market pulls into it. Too far below it, it goes in, it goes up into it. So the fact that the Dow is above its 21-day moving average and above its 50, the NASDAQ's below both of those shows you that you're spot on. Great observation, by the way, on your part. The Dow is definitely outperforming right now. And then can you say anything about when support and resistance start? converging on each other when when the the range between support and resistance gets smaller what does that set up for you as possibilities that's a really good point sean let's dive in a little bit deeper and explain to people what that means so the word volatility could be a euphemism but it basically means there's a lot of movement in the underlying price of the stock or in the market so volatility there's two kinds there's upside vol and downside vol upside volatility is when the stock goes up 
big. And then downside volatility is when it goes down big. So volatility comes in those two flavors, for lack of a better word. All right, fine. Let's dive deeper. There are times where volatility contracts and there's a time when it expands. The One of the best times to buy is when you see volatility contract for a, an extended period of time, for several weeks, several months. And at the same time, you see volume dry up during that contraction. And then that's not when you buy. But what you're waiting for is a catalyst. And you see the market break out above resistance after that consolidation, that volatility drying up, the volume drying up, and then you see an explosion of volatility on the upside, and you see an explosion of volume breaking above resistance, to me is one of the best patterns out there. Because the longer that and tighter that action is, that just shows me that the, the buyers and sellers at somewhat of equilibrium. And it, one of my trading rules is the next move wins. And it either breaks out above resistance and keeps going up, or it breaks down below support and keeps going down. Not always, sometimes breakouts fail, sometimes breakdowns fail. But for the most part, when you see long periods of tight consolidation or tight digestion, volatility contracting big time, and then a move up on volume breaks out, and then you start seeing a lot more upside volatility, and then volatility expands after that period of, of quiet, vol low volatility. That's really tends to be almost the uh, textbook example of what you want to see before a big explosive move higher in a big stock. Or lower. Or lower. If it gaps down, absolutely. If it breaks out above resistance and goes up, it'll go up. Yeah. Or if it breaks down, great point. Or lower. And so one of the things we talked about last week is that the uh, growth in the market this year is either a new bull market or it's a bear market rally. We don't know yet until after it happens, right? But if we start seeing volatility narrow and support and resistance get closer together, then we history tells us uh, your... Uh, knowledge of the quality of the market tells you that we're set up for a big break one way or the other. And if we break down, then it lends towards the uh, bear market rally theory. And if it breaks up, that seems to help us feel like we might be in a, a new bull market. Right. Correct. The, the environment, it's, I like to keep things real simple. Right? There's certain elegance or genius and simplicity. It's not me being a genius. It's just if you can explain something so simple that a five-year-old can understand it, you tend to have a better grasp than if it's super complicated. Yet the human mind has the tendency to overcomplicate things because they feel like they're being smarter. But if you look at the pure, pure geniuses of the world, I mean the Einstein, Steve Jobs, the Elon Musks of the world, those folks keep things super, super, super simple. And in the market right now, I try to do the same, keep it super simple. It's, it's a binary outcome. Either this is a pullback, an ugly pullback in an uptrend and the pullback ends and then we go higher or this turns into something much worse. And this whole rally we've seen this year is just a big bear market rally. We end up falling really hard, erasing all of the gains and then taking out the October 2022 lows and having a big move down. That is a possibility the probability of that happening in my mind's eye right now is very low. But if the other indices like the Dow, the S&P, the Russell and the mid caps break down below the 50 and they start doing a heavy volume 
and you see more and more stocks break down, the NASDAQ keeps leading on the way down, and then they break their 200-day moving averages, then by all means, that probability is going to increase significantly. Right now, I'm operating as if this is just a normal, healthy pullback in an uptrend in an early bull market. However, I'm sleeping with one eye open, so to speak, because intellectually, it behooves all of us to look at all the possibilities and then rank them based on the probability of that event happening and then go with the highest probability event. And when things change, be flexible and change as well. But either way, amped traders are likely to be choking up their sell stops right now and sitting back and watching. This is not Correct. a big time to go into new positions. Correct. You, you would have been doing that for the last few weeks, as we've been saying with the findleadingstocks.com newsletter. It's very clear in my mind's eye and for all the members and for enthusiasts like yourself, Sean, you can start to understand this. This is not difficult. The learning curve here is very, very quick as long as you just, you're engaged and you can see things break down. And I show it to you really clear. Look, SMCI, one of the strongest stocks in the market, gone by the wayside. This NVIDIA breaking the 50-day, Broadcom breaking the 50-day, semiconductors, the SMH breaking the 50-day on the way down. These guys just start falling, falling, falling. They were all leading on the way up. It's not rocket science. It's real simple. So you just have to know what to look for. That's the part that's difficult is knowing what to look for because there's so much noise out there. And part well, of what we do well, with fine leading stocks is we just focus on leadership. So the leaders are going to guide us in and out. So over the last few weeks, you've been raising your stocks, playing defense, but you're now prepared for the next uptrend if and when this pullback does end. Because odds are, overwhelmingly, this is going to be a bullish opportunity for us. Once this pullback is over, we're going to have another chance to step in and buy and have it shoot up. In fact, in this weekend report, which – I talk about there's two things right at the very beginning of the report that I love. I've learned, notice my language here, I've learned to love pullbacks. Why? Because I used to hate them or fear them. I used to lose money during them, get frustrated, upset, you know, Schmelf would take over. Oh, I don't like it. Okay, great. Schmelf was just the, you know, the dumb money beast inside all of us. If you haven't it's the, the book It's yet, the elephant of the elephant and the rider if you're a psychologist. <laughs> 100%. I love that too, Sean. That's awesome. So uh, the reason why I've learned to love pullbacks is number one, they're going to happen. They're inevitable. Number two, they separate the winners from the crowd. The strongest stocks in the market, the true market leaders show up. They're, they're up. They're not going down. The rest of the market goes down. The other stocks that are just wobbly or waffling around, they go down. But the true market leaders, the ones that we want to own, stay up or keep going up while the market pulls back, exhibiting strong relative strength. And the second thing is they shake out the weak hands. Most people in the market just can't stomach those pullbacks. They're out, they look away, and then the one second rule kicks in. Like if you keep doing it, then you stop, you give up. Proverbially, the one second later, you'll find it or you'll keep, you know, you'll get your results. The market, the pullback is over once people quit, and then the market goes right back up again, hits new highs, and then people chase returns and they, oh my God, I missed it but they gave up and they quit. Like they cried uncle kind of a thing right before the market turned and went higher. So pullbacks I've learned are healthy. They're going to happen. They're inevitable, but they're good because they set the stage. They let the stocks and the market build a new base. And that gives us another opportunity to get in an additional buy points at low risk entry points. So I'm bullish because we're still in an uptrend. This pullback is ugly, but the, the rally is still intact and odds favor, you know, it's normal to see the market pull back several times throughout the year to the 50. The NASDAQ hasn't touched the 50 since March. 
we just barely broke it below it. We can easily get back above it in a day or two, even a week or two, and then game on again. So that once it's game on again, once you get back above it, I want to make sure members are there, people are watching, because those are the best times to be buying the stock, the stocks that are setting up because you get low risk entries. And when you're right, you win big. And when you're wrong, you lose small. Most people aren't there. They gave up and then they come back after the market hits new highs. Yeah. And tell me if I'm wrong here. When you talk about the people who gave up, these are folks who are are making emotional decisions as they're watching the market fluctuate, because I know that a lot of folks who follow Amped and who have been heavy in uh, NASDAQ type equities right now, as the NASDAQ is trending downward, some of those folks are getting stopped out. New ideas haven't worked out and they're, uh, they're getting pushed out of the positions when they put in their automatic sell stops to manage their risk. And other folks who had long-term plays as the NASDAQ's turned, they're getting stopped out of their pre-decided positions, meaning they decided sometime before that if it goes below this line, I've decided I want to lock in my profit there and I have a sell stop there to do it. And in your newsletter, you talked about one of your longtime members got stopped out of a, an equity he liked that he was hoping to ride for a long time, but he got stopped out with a profit. And, and I think that where psychological analysis comes in, that's the P in Amped, right? You you like that stock, it's performed well for you, you wanted to ride it higher, you're, you're, you get this little voice in your head that says, oh no, I want to hold on to that. I don't want to let that go, even though it's acting like a loser right now. And when you do the sell stops, that takes that emotional choice away from you. You've already made it intellectually based on your strategy. You've stopped out. And it's a bittersweet um, moment, I think, right? Because you talk about how in Amped, you're trying to catch the bulk of the move. You come in a little bit off the bounce, and you're going to have already hit resistance. And on your way back down is when your sell stops going to trigger and you're out of it. And, and you feel like you've given something up. And I think this is one of the tricks. That's why not everyone does Amped style trading is because even when you win, in the moment, it feels a little bit like a loss, right? You got stopped out. It didn't work. And it doesn't matter how much money you made up until now, <laughs> you still thought you'd make more and it hurts a little bit. And then you have to remember, wait, no, this was a plan. This is actually a win, right? Am I am I on base with that? Sure. You're spot on. You're 100% on the money. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. One of my coaching clients reached out to me earlier this week. He sold NVIDIA. It was the biggest dollar gain he ever had his biggest win he's ever had. And he had it because he found it with the Amped investment system. Well, okay, great. But the language that he used, he's like, I'm beating myself up because I should have sold it higher. Well, all right, it's his biggest win ever. Literally, he's ever had. He made more money with that stock than he has in any other stock in his history. He made more money in that stock than he did in one year salary in his current job. I mean, he, it was just a massive monster win. And he's talking about beating himself up. If you don't celebrate your wins, those W's, and you beat yourself up when you have those W's, when are you going to celebrate? It's human nature to beat yourself up to always, you know, want more and improve and yada, yada, yada. I get that. But I can tell you there's no ROI. There's no return on investment of beating yourself up in my world. You either win or you learn. It's just, that's it. 
There's just results. You want to say you win, lose, you want to, however you want to determine it or sorry, internalize it. That's up to you. But the reality is, is that all the events, you can't control what happens to you. All the events that are going to happen to you or that have already happened to you are going to happen. They're, they're out there. You can't control them. But what you can control is how you react to them. So if you want to improve, you can take that event. You just sold in the video. You could have sold it higher. Sure. Where would you have sold it? Okay. And then if you take that and then apply it to your rules, so the next 200 times that happens, you do that so you don't make that same mistake again. Great. It's a win. But if you beat yourself up all the time, I got stopped out, I'm upset. I, I win, I'm upset. I sold it at 10%. I should have sold it at 50%. I sold it at, you know, I'm just exaggerating here, just to illustrate the point. If you're never happy, then what's the point of doing this? So avoid that trap and get onto the happy kind of momentum because it's really much more pleasurable when you enjoy what you're doing and you celebrate those wins along the way. All right, everybody, that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening in. As Adam says, now is time to be patient. Don't get emotional. Stay smart and trade your plan. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. I'll give you a million dollars right now if you can tell me what chocolate tastes like.